Welcome to Wonderfully Done, a wholesome show about sex, communication, and loving yourself. Presented to you with love by me, Lauren. And her fabulous, adorable, positive, gorgeous friend, Victoria, which is me. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to listen today. Who are we, though? We are two very horny sweethearts from the country of Australia who have an insatiable appetite for set-centric media, human connections, and getting knee-deep and our flippity jibbity jelly delicious yum yum empathetic feelings. <laughs> the Wonderfully Done show is all about us sitting down with you, reading your questions, sharing opinions, advice, support for whatever you're going through. You can ask us questions about sex, relationships, love, and everything in between. The one rule that we've got is that it is a shame-free. And so Vix and I are really here to help and listen. We'll be your sex posse supporter friends. Um, but it's important to know that we're not uh, sex therapists and we're not therapist therapists either uh we're both really pro um therapy um and see psychologists and we'll always recommend that you get your own professional help too but this is really just a jumping off point for curiosity support and um a few suggestions so victoria what have we got in the sexy question box today so we got a little bit of a juicy episode for you this week. Uh, we're going to try and squeeze three whole questions into this episode. Oh my God, can you believe it? Uh, so really, I better stop talking about it so that we can start doing the questions or this is going to be a really long episode. <laughs> so question number one, dear wonderfully done, how can I communicate to people that I hate getting head and I'm not super into sex? But I really fucking love making out for hours. Just a short and sweet one. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this person has great self-knowledge already. They're able to say it's a communication challenge. They know things that they don't like and they know something that they do like. So they've already done a whole lot of that really difficult groundwork there of yeah. knowing what, what they do and don't like. It's tricky when what you're into doesn't follow the heteronormative script, you know, and if it feels like other people are out there for something different. But if you're able to practice being upfront with what you really want and you're able to position it as like, hey, this is what I'm super passionate about. This is what I'm specifically looking for. You know, Bob's your uncle. I, I regret saying that because it's a it's no, a gross little catchphrase, it's, but yeah, it's a good I mean, position it, it would have been my first choice, Lauren. But you know, we all have a different, diverse vocabulary of um old adages to throw in the soup. As Lauren was saying, yes, wonderful. It's so great that you know what you like and what you don't fucking like. Uh communicating is the next step, and you've done something about it today by, well, actually, I think it was a little while ago now, but uh, you sent us a question about it and wanted to hear some some thoughts around this kind of discussion, which I think is lovely. So this is just a little yay you moment. <laughs> and it's really, it's not on you if you're on the dating apps and things like that, and you're being upfront with what you want and people are behaving like, oh, you know, you might have had a, ba a bad time like getting head before, but I'm really good, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, no. it's really important that you find people that are going to respect your boundaries. And if your boundaries are like, I'd love to date, I'd love to make out, 
I really haven't had a good time getting head and I don't think sex is on the table. Like you should be the person that controls any, any potential sex and it should still be a renegotiation and a conversation down the line. So just sticking to what you are interested in, trying it with the person, maybe the person's bad at making out and just yeet out of there. I say it like it's easy. It's not (laughs) easy, but I believe in you. Why are so many people such bad kissers? Like, I wish that is something that I could get. I like, that is one of the key things that I personally look for. Like, who likes to kiss in just the exact way that I like kissing? And honestly, I've probably only met, like, just a couple of people where like this is like the best thing that's ever happened okay I'm really missing kissing so I felt the need to talk about that Um, this person would love to talk to you about kissing too (laughs) but I think I think it's just very common in general for communication around sex to be bad like I think it's interesting too when you add in sort of I guess uh, I'd be doing bunny ears quotes if you could see me right now but when you're sort of doing the following the script actions you know I think we've talked about it on the podcast before or maybe we haven't and we've talked around it but just the the wham bam thank you ma'am of like uh, a hat couple and there's like a, a kiss and then a, a nipple lick and then a, a a brief finger the very brief very very brief uh then an extended blowjob a little bit of piv penetration uh come on your face you know and so I think you know everybody uh, I I think that kind of like gets like really like inbuilt into your deeper psyche of like here are like the hallmarks of what sex is and here are the things that I should be good at to do sex good. And I think that's why sometimes certain parts of sexual communication are so difficult because you're also adding in people's ego. And for a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of their ego and value and worth and feeling attractive can be attached to whether or not they can perform well in some of these activities. So I think that's where things get a little bit complicated for people and how I can imagine, like, perhaps if you've you've had different moments where these things have been happening because uh, yeah you know hate is a strong word I'm kind of I'm sorry if you've had experiences where these things have happened anyway and you didn't feel like you you could say what you wanted or needed like uh, I think it's um I think we've all got a raft of those different experiences as we get on that journey for really starting to not only understand what we physically like to happen to our bodies and the experiences that we want to share with people, but learn to actually verbalize that in the moment where I think, yeah, what Lauren is saying is really important around having um, having these conversations like long before you get in the position of actually doing any of the actions and that's the thing I'm sure there are other people out there that would super fucking love to make out for hours like I feel like you know things like kissing and that sort of thing get really kind of just dumped into foreplay which I think foreplay is a word I don't know if I really like it very much anymore the more I think about it because I think it really like devalues and minimizes a lot of really beautiful aspects of physical connection and parts of sex. Something that's been really interesting for me was talking to a friend of mine who's ace and about her experiences um, with her boyfriend who is sexual and she was saying that her and her boyfriend actually have a relationship with a lot of pleasure in it. Mm -hmm. It's just that 
the her experience of it does not include arousal. So for right. her, she's like, I really like kissing and kissing or cuddling, but I will experience lots of pleasure, but I don't experience arousal. So, you know, for this person, it, it could be interesting language to say that they get a lot of pleasure out of making out for hours, but they don't get aroused into a state of wanting sex or being interested in sex potentially, or that's just not something that they're interested in navigating. But it was really good for me to start talking about or thinking about you know, think about foreplay, chucking that out and think Mm -hmm. about it as a pleasure activity. And is it a pleasure activity that builds to an arousal? Do you want to do anything about that arousal? What do you want that conversation to be? Instead of being like, pleasure activities are sex preparation, you know, like decoupling those things. No, I love that. Uh, It's definitely something, you know, when I can and my government mandated celibacy. (laughs) Um, The the way I'd like to edit the kind of conversations I'm having around the kind of sex that I want to be having. It's on on my dating profiles, you know, I have some specific things on there that that I want to do. And um, it's good to at least begin a conversation in a zone of interest you know so I don't know if you're on the apps but is it on your profile that you're looking for a makeout buddy because I think even just starting the conversation there and then you can really kind of drive home through just even further typed discussion that truly like that's what makes you really excited and feel really good and can maybe describe some sexy hot kissing um sessions that you've had before or things that you like or ask them a little bit more about how how they like to be kissed you know and just kind of yeah because it can be quite fun like I would I think I would quite like I don't think anybody in a very long time has asked me how I like to be kissed it's more just kind of like people just give you their style and that's just kind (laughs) of like it and then yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I'll often I'll often feel like if I if I kiss someone or make out with someone, I'm often like, "Oh my god, was I good?" But it's not even like, <laughs> "Was I good?" It's literally like, "How was it for the other person?" Yes, because people like? like different things. Oh, that's such I feel like that's such a big area in general, just th- this ego bit of like, "Was I good? Did I perform good?" But so many of the metrics don't actually take into account the full scape of interest from the other human being because there is yeah there is no are you good or not I mean of course there's like fundamentals in anything where it's like this is like a satisfying minimum viable product version of a kiss <laughs> <laughs> or a hand job <laughs> like, but um you know style remixes like <laughs> depending on the particular you know fancies of, of your, your partner slash partners um mm, it's kind mm. of important to throw in there and have a think about and have a play you know yeah yeah and I would just encourage this person to think about arousal desire pleasure like all of those things as maybe being like they could overlap but they could also be quite separate so if they get a mm. lot of pleasure out of kissing but they're not interested in being aroused or they're not interested in doing anything about that arousal that's like good self-knowledge and I actually do think there'd be lots of people who'd be into what you're talking about especially non-dudes because I think a lot of yes. um, cishet guys have a hard time separating pleasure like pleasure and arousal separately but it's like I can say I would like to physically pleasure 
many of my friends. Mm-hmm. I do not actually want to have sex or arouse many of my friends. Yeah. But do I like to give people head scratches? Do I like to spoon, massage? Like, my my barrier for feeling that kind of affection is pretty low. Like, I, yeah. would, I would like to pleasure many of my friends in that way. Totally. <laughs> Same. Like, I love giving touch. Like, giving touch makes me very, very happy. And it isn't it isn't always sexual. Like it's, I, I feel like decoupling that as well as that uh, from touches in general and the different swaths of physical intimacy immediately meaning sexual interests. Like that bit really kind of has, well, sexual for uh, a standardized version of sex, we'll say in this particular example. <laughs> yeah, um, so I'd say to summarize for this, we're on board with your self-knowledge. You know woo. what you do and don't like. That's fantastic. Um, being enthusiastic about that, not positioning it as a, sorry, I'm so uncool. I don't like this. I only like that. But instead being like, I am a friggin' kiss fiend and this is what I love and this is a great thing that you get to do with me. Um, that's a really great way of just making it positive and not giving people ground to be negative about it. And it's important to connect with people that will also love making out for hours communicating about it probably before you meet up so that there's not mismatched wires or having it be an early part of a dating conversation, depending on how you're meeting people, but we're on board. Love it. And personally, I would, I kind of hate how so many sexual interactions I have. It just feels like, yeah, the making out is like a brief footnote like and I feel like I I like the tension of maybe you'd hang out with somebody a few times before you'd even kind of decide if and when you wanted to sort of do other things and so like and you know anticipation for people is another angle like there's so there's so many discussions to have (laughs) around what what gets people going or what makes people feel good and what kind of touch does that. Um, so I wish you luck, my sweet friend. And I hope that uh, if you're not allowed outside, that when you are allowed outside, that there's some lovely fucking makeouts for you. And if you're allowed outside now, I hope you enjoy. And for question number two, we have, Dear Wonderfully Done, how do you casually ask potential sexual partners if they've been tested recently? How do you make that a non-awkward question? So this is a really good question. And right off the top, we can say, hey, wonderfully done listeners. Like, let's make it our homework that if you're sexually active, go and get a test. Go and get a thorough test. Go get everything covered. I need to do the same. And this question is a great reminder. (laughs) Yeah. It is. You know, let's, when we're all allowed a little bit more freedom and mobility, um, come out of the gate all, um knowing what the dealio is with our business like that seems nice (laughs) this isn't it's all right if there is something there it's all right if there's not like whatever the results are aren't as important as that you know what's happening inside your body and the fact that we're throwing our bodies against other strangers bodies um you know i feel like we should be grown up enough to have a, a professional dig around you know, that's a lovely thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so there are key keywords here, like casual, non-awkward, mm-hmm. things like that. So much about sex is us trying to like be not awkward. But <laughs> what what is really important is that your sexual health or protection is part of your own sexual boundaries. Mm-hmm. Whether you've explicitly talked about it with a partner or not, you will have some boundaries in place in terms of the degree to which you are seeking safe sex using protection you know 
aware of status and things like that. So Mm -hmm. as with anything, you know, with things that you're going to do in the bedroom, sexy stuff, kinks, boundaries, like sexual health comes into it. So having a conversation around expectations around protection, conversations around awareness of sexual health status, that's just really good practice to have before, uh, before pants come off pretty much. That is too late for a lot of those conversations. Yes, much, much too late. I think, yeah, like really honing in on that like awkward, like I think it's a real tragedy that like still in 2020, it's an it's viewed as an awkward mood killer to to bring up tests. And I know I know that it is like, I mean, because I generally like to ask that from people before I sleep with them. Um, and sometimes it does uh, get a little bit awkward, but I think it's like really it's okay if the other person feels awkward as long as like you feel strong and empowered to, you know, assert your boundaries over the contact that happens with your body, you know, by being somebody that wants to have these conversations, like you're being a part of that change in the narrative of these conversations being awkward. You're being somebody who has them regularly and who normalizes it. And for people that perhaps haven't had these conversations with people a lot, I just think it's still underrated how very important talking to each other is. Yes. <laughs> and where we are with the penetration around this discussion um, and having awkward be the, the, the common read of it, like it just says there's a, there's a lot more awkward conversations to have <laughs> before it becomes less awkward. So heck yes to you for being part of the change. And wanting to encourage and be a part of um, safer sex. Like, that's awesome. And we are extremely behind uh, safer sex. And depending on the communities that you're a part of, you might find that there's really different degrees of understanding or education Mm. or frequency of testing. There's, like, for me, being someone who's 30, I've got some friends in the queer community that just get tested every three months, you know, like, and and that is amazing. And then I've got lots of friends that are like, I've never been sick, I've never had a sexual health test, it's never been suggested to me, I don't know where to get one, I don't know how to start, like, and it's fair enough because people make it sound like sexual health tests are for porn stars or people that have very quote-unquote dangerous sex or who have heaps and heaps of partners but it's just really good practice to be tested once every six months or at least just once a year and uh, and in Australia especially it's not really expensive to do it's often just a matter of finding a place that will do the tests for you oh there's so many free clinics you know there's lots of free clinics here unfortunately where I am in the southeastern suburbs it's actually kind of hard to get to a place that will do testing yeah it's hard to find a place whereas if you're north of the city in Melbourne Mm -hmm. where all the queer bows hang out like there's lots of (laughs) good good testing Um, And so you might get a little bit of weirdness from a GP if you ask a general GP if they Mm -hmm. do sexual health tests. You might get weirdness from your friends. You might, um, you know, you might, the person who you're talking to might have never been tested before. Um, If you can try and navigate, like, bring it up as a positive thing, not an attack, you know, they might feel judged because they're still deep in the stigma about testing. Um, it can be a little bit of a messy field there, yeah. but you know, we want you to be as, as supported and safe and feeling, feeling good as possible. And for you, it sounds like that includes knowing the testing status of your partner, which I can totally understand. 
Yeah, and that's the thing too, right? Like having like what you're comfortable with is okay. And if this person isn't able to have a conversation with you about that, for me, that comes into kind of signals that I look for and how might it be to have a respectful sexual interaction with them. Um, and if they're not forthcoming with that kind of information, when, you know, o- opening your body up to somebody else's body, like that's, that's a, it's a big trust vulnerability thing, no matter whether it's casual or not. I feel like people treat the word casual, like it, like you don't have to respect the other human being that you're sharing the experience with, which is really difficult. And I think definitely adds into why there's so much weirdness here. I think it's just also important as well. Like for some people it'll be like, well, I was tested last year. So it's kind of like, it's not just like, you know, yeah, it's, it's, as you said, like if they've been tested recently and I think specifying like, what does recent mean to you? Like, do you Mm. sort of start with like, I was tested two months ago. Um, and I think it's also important as well because like every set of STI tests is different, right? Like I, I like to get the full deluxe suite whenever I go, no matter (laughs) what activities I've, I've been having, swab me up, let me pee in a cup, uh, (laughs) take some blood out of my arm you know, um, to really just make sure that all, all the bases are covered. Um, and just making sure, I think it's like creating the commonality of the language between you and the person that you're speaking to, right? Because things like spaces of time or SCI test to me means being tested for chlamydia and to the other person means, yeah, um, HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, the one that starts with T that I can't say good. Yeah, trichomoniasis, <laughs> I think. Like, <laughs> yes. All sorts of different things. And then, of course, you know, others that really mostly can actually only be eyeballed by a professional. I should just just double mention, of course, again, me and Lauren aren't sexual health professionals. Uh, we are only speaking from our experiences and our lives and uh, conversations that we've had with friends and things that we've read and been exposed to and from talking to professionals ourselves. So for a sort of like more extended discussion around things like that, um, yeah, people who haven't been tested, if you've never been tested out there, my friend, I, I highly recommend you do. And even just kind of like ask ask your doctor about some stuff, you know? Yes, and find work on having a medical relationship with someone that you can actually be fully honest to because mm. I can totally understand how difficult it can be to find a doctor that you can be fully honest with, um, that doesn't make assumptions, that doesn't yeah. make you uncomfortable. Some are really judgy, you know? Super judgy. Definitely <laughs> had some like unpleasant experiences with that, with assumptions that they made based on like certain kinds of partners that I had or what the relationship structures were. Uh, So yeah, having, I mean, I know it's hard across all things finding, you know, a healthcare professional that you really trust, which is why I think going to uh, clinics uh, that are especially focused around sexual health are really beautiful places to go because you can have very frank conversations with people that you know have these conversations all the time and I think the really big key thing at these clinics is they want people to be safe and like and they want to be there to support people and to help people have you know a a good time having sex without worries um Mm. 
And that's what you're asking for. Like when you ask a potential partner about whether they've been tested, you're saying that it's important for me to know where I'm at and your health is also important to me. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and shared status and shared knowledge is important to me. Totally. So, you know, it's, I think a lot of the time people are just like out of sight, out of mind, like Mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. important, but the more of us say that, safe like safer sex or knowledge around um sexual health status is important Mm -hmm. the easier it becomes for everybody and i would just say you know in terms of a in terms of a script again it's like not bringing it up when the pants are off you know similar um bringing it up um you know in advance bringing it (laughs) Mm -hmm. up once it feels like sex might be a possibility with someone if someone says no i haven't been tested then just be like awesome i'd just love for you to get tested like, do you need yeah. help finding a place? This is where I go. Do you want to go together if you're due? And just removing as much fuel for defensiveness that they might have. Um, and a script for a question might be something like, you know, texting them. I just want to make sure we're on the same page about protection and getting tested. I was tested a month ago and everything was fine. How about you? You're saying, you know, I've been tested. Everything was was like clear for me. A suggestion. How about you? It's not really attacking and just saying that this is it's not a pass or fail situation. Let's just make sure that we're on the same page about protection yeah. and we're on the same page about testing. Exactly right. Because like, I just want to say to everyone listening, it is okay and totally reasonable to delay having a sexual experience with somebody uh, if they've, I guess, committed to you that they are going to go and get a test. Like, and if people are kind trying to kind of push you on that, uh, I think that's an- it's another red flag for me. Uh, just on this topic, I really did want to mention, because uh, we're sort of like how to have the conversation to begin with but like then there's all different kinds of answers you can get of course um and I think sometimes when you have these discussions with people people will often describe themselves as clean which I'm also saying with bunny ears again which is something that I would really love to have maybe happening a little bit less in these kinds of um discussions because Having an STI uh, of varying different kinds or a sexually transmitted disease of some kind, like, that doesn't make you dirty. Uh, it really doesn't. And and saying clean, I think, perpetuates that. And maybe somebody does have something that you haven't, you know, potentially been exposed to before. Uh, but you'll find, you know, a lot of people who have different things will be some of the safer people you would sleep with because they've got a better, more intimate knowledge of kind of what's happening in those regions in their bodies. Uh, Often like, yes, specific protection or having um, suppression of different things. And it's kind of like that versus people that are, you know, running around, (laughs) never been tested, maybe asymptomatic, maybe have been for years, maybe have like spread chains of things throughout the world, (laughs) you know? Um, So I think, yeah, being ready to to have some nice, kind conversations moving forward with that. Uh, And I think, you know, we all have different levels of comfort and I know that it can be scary when people are positive for different things, but, you know, you can negotiate from there what you're comfortable with. Definitely. And so for this listener to be ready 
for saying, oh, cool, you know, if you do ask a partner, because I'm assuming the partner hasn't been tested or has never mm-hmm, been tested mm-hmm. or not tested recently because I think that's the majority chance, but they might be meeting up with a super sex-positive, experienced yeah. babe that's been tested and is like, yeah, I actually, like, I have HPV right now. I don't have any sores. I don't have anything current. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, but, like, I do have strains of HPV or something like that. And then you make an informed decision, you know, and I would encourage this person to not be like, oh my God, gross, you have HPV and I'm not going to have sex with you. (laughs) But, but you make your own personal decisions. Like you set your own um, sexual boundaries. If someone does disclose something and it's not something that you're personally comfortable with negotiating something that manages your risk for that area or just being really positive and thankful to them that they disclosed, even if it changes the relationship yeah. that you'll have with them, just like be kind because that yeah. person did the right thing by Please talking be kind. to you. And we're vulnerable around something where there mm. is still so much shame and stigma and the, yeah, there's some really gross stuff. Uh, yes. Yes. And for any listeners out there that are like, ooh, I have had some hookups and actually I haven't been tested or they, they, you know, they have a one night stand with someone and they Mm -hmm. didn't know that person's status, you might want to go and get tested. And then it can be a great conversation starter to be like, you know, aside from complimenting them for the sex if that's what you feel like doing (laughs) saying also you know I forgot to have a conversation with you about sexual health status you know I I went and got tested um after we slept together just because you know I like to I like to know what my status is how about you have you been tested in a while because it's also not one for one that if you sleep with someone once you will inherit everything that they've got going yeah, on so exactly. it, if That's you sleep with someone sex, not safe sex like exactly the only safe sex is not having any <laughs> <laughs> yeah a hundred percent so you know it's a real variety but good job to this person for being interested in knowing um the status of their partners and wanting to have um as little awkwardness with the conversation as possible Mm -hmm. and hopefully it's just a small thing that's maybe slightly awkward someone does something about it and then you go on your merry way totally and this is just part of the it's like asking uh yeah if somebody likes to fucking doggy or likes to use toys like just normal fucking questions you'd ask somebody if you were thinking about taking your clothes off together Yes. Letting go of the idea that it's rude to ask <laughs> is important because you're literally about to have sex with someone. Like, yeah, fuck. It's, get, it's, getting rude. <laughs> it's getting rude anyway, potentially. So, another question. Here we go. Dear Wonderfully Done, how do I go back to dating cis straight men after exclusively surrounding myself with queers? First of all, why are you doing that? Why? <laughs> what has prompted this change? <laughs> yeah, what? Why? Why? I, I'm definitely, there's definitely a big why. Like, full full respect to this person for coming to us with a question, for asking two queer women this question. But I'm not asking the why just to be difficult. It's literally like, <laughs> why are you dating cis men? Is it just that you have found yourself attracted to like a cis straight man and you're in a relationship or trying to date and finding it difficult mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or did you swap your tinder switch over because you know uh is it is it missing is it missing body parts that we expect cis straight men to have like 
you know, what's what's really going on in the brain box there. But if you did find yourself attracted to or having met um, a cis straight man and you're finding that it's weird or different to when you were surrounding yourself with queers, um, or if you just you're straight and you want to date straight men, but most of your friendship group and community is queer, that mm. can also be hard as well. Oh, yeah. Because um, it's not necessarily that you were dating queer and now you're dating straight, so to speak, right? Yeah, because, like, you're inherently queer either way, right? Like, is this a I'm going back to the apps kind of scenario? Yeah. Because then I feel like it's kind of a an expectation tempering conversation, right? Uh, because <laughs> I don't know who, uh, who out there is trying to find uh, cishet dudes on, um, on dating apps, but it's not a very fucking good time. <laughs> There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of Profiles with no words. There's too many fish. Uh, <laughs> uh, too many blank profiles. Too many. I'm seeing a lot lately of um, of like shit talking statements about women on there. I'll be like, you know, if you're this kind of woman, like jog on. Or like, I saw one the other day that was kind of like, you know, stop putting bridesmaid pictures up. I, it's already so hard to tell which one you are. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> And honestly, I feel like this is the dating profile version of like those really extreme misleading mobile ads that you yes. want to click on just out of disgust and surprise. <laughs> yeah, just see. Oh, God. It's just honestly, sorry, delving into my personal um, experience at, that I'm having at the moment. But like, I feel like I like bought a Tinder gold and I was like, all right, baby, let's have a look at these thousands of matches. We must have a couple of babes in here. And I'm just kind of like, do I like dating men anymore? Like, like, I'm not sure. Just like this, like, just like plethora of disappointment. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I don't want any more dudes to ask me how I'm doing or, or trying to get me to be toxically positive um, about the situation. <laughs> that is situation right indeed. <laughs> I feel like I've gone like real off kilter on just like my own abysmal disappointment lately because I'm like trying to go the opposite where I've like been most I've dated primarily cis het dudes for most of my life and I'm super interested in getting to know more queers, but I'm also frightened. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to it's very hard to date when you respect and fear your target. <laughs> like, it's very hard. <laughs> so when you just hate cis straight men, but you don't mind sleeping with some of them, you'll just, you'll throw yourself in the ring sometimes, I suppose. I mean, oh, we're yeah. projecting a hell of a lot onto this reader, but I am so very much. curious, like, <laughs> what do you want to bring from queer dating or queer community to dating this cis straight man? Is it feminism is it an understanding of interesting non-traditional sexuality is it an understanding of your sexuality or your queer identity like you're allowed to have needs and it's okay to have requirements for this man to learn stuff be across things mm. you know it's like you know i've like i know i know cis straight men that do a really good job of still being being among queer community and oh, not yeah. being super foul like they do exist they're just like rare and special but you won't find them unless you put up some pretty strong filters to say 
there's no passive aggressiveness, there's no anti-feminism, you have to understand queer history 101, you have to, you know, you have to understand how to have sex with me for two hours that doesn't involve your dick, like, you're allowed to have requirements. Am I allowed to have requirements, Lauren? I'm here to tell everyone. Is this a speech for me? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, especially if this reader, if this reader identifies as a woman, um, then we are socially conditioned to do sex as a pleasing activity, Mm -hmm. like as a bonding activity or a pleasing activity and a not you first or not you centered kind of activity. And that's dating and that's sex and that can be everything else. So what does this person, what does this person want? What is, what have you found difficult about dating cis straight men? Yeah, I think that's the thing. Sorry. You know, when you just have like 10,000 thoughts surge out of you, I have so many things I want to say. (laughs) (laughs) And then as soon as I make that little, little statement, I'm like, can I remember any of them? (laughs) Um, I I saw this quote like not too long ago that was kind of like talking about, um, it was talking about how it seems to be more common that like queer women don't realize they're queer until a little bit later because it's expected that dating dudes should be disappointing or not feel super great a lot of the time. Oh, that's so <laughs> sad. That's so sad. So, I, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's kind of like... Uh, I guess gussying up that there's going to be a lot of wasted time in this search for people that are going to do baseline respect. Like you can really only do your very best go, but I feel like as long as you know that, that that's highly likely going to be a bunch of the experience of the sifting, right? Like, I mean, as a, as a woman on the apps, I feel like that that's kind of what you do. You get, a lot of matches, but a lot of really, really low quality matches. Mm. Uh, and the actual time, you know, because it's a, it's an emotional expending of energy to have to go through these different profiles, figure out the ones that maybe you think you could possibly have a conversation with, throw a couple of things into the ring. Like, especially in Isoland, I'm finding, like, a lot of really passive-aggressive people where it's like if you don't reply immediately, then they kind of, like, nag and bait you. It's been, oh, the apps are even more hideous, honestly, over isolation. Uh, I realize, you know, energy's lower. Uh, <laughs> Patience is thin. Sanity so is thin. waning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like if you, if this reader happens to be um, a queer woman uh, who has got queer community around her, who has dated queers and is now dating cis straight men, I would say just hang on to your queer community and like hang on mm-hmm. to your queer identity because once you're in a straight passing relationship, it can be a little bit discombobulating. It's important for your partner to understand what's unique about your experiences, your sexuality, what is, you know, not not criticizing this individual person, but criticizing the system. And can this person put up with you criticizing the patriarchy or do they take it really, really personally? This, you know, it's very important to bring up. Mm. I feel like I need some to try some more of these testing barriers. And I have to say, it's like the fear does uh, wiggle in my tummy jello a little bit because I'm like, oh no, so many people wouldn't, wouldn't pass that bar. And I think that's an interesting one too, right? In dating to actually have to be honest with yourself and be like, even if you just want something that you know you deem as casual or just a a purely physical exchange like (laughs) 
adding in your like morals and your values and it, 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 and kind of like look here is it within my morals and my values to sleep with somebody who shows blatant like flares of misogyny or <laughs> sexism or gross jokes like I love to say just put it back in the oven just put him oh. back in the oven let him bake some more men are so behind in so many different ways in my view like even if you're having a casual relationship with someone that that casual connection can be so much more juicy and gratifying and yes. positive if if you'd like them as a friend like if you would respect them as a friend um, I, I don't go in for shaming people for their sexual choices much of the time, unless that's what they're into, but literally <laughs> having sex with people that you don't respect, I just don't see that being a recipe for going super well, you know? No, like respect really kind of needs to be a baseline. And I think we, me and Lauren have had a couple of discussions about this recently, actually. Something that I see very, very commonly while perusing the apps is, uh, statements like, NSA, you know, the old no strings attached. And I think what that actually means is I don't want you to be a person. I don't want you to have needs and I don't want you to ask me for anything or for any emotional bearing whatsoever. And I just think it's fucked, to be quite honest. As soon as I see NSA on a profile, I am outies. And the the funny thing is, like, yes, I'm absolutely looking for, you know, casual sex and varieties of different kinds of hookups. Like, and I'm I'm down to clown, like <laughs> like I'm good at game, like ready to go. Um but, but what do they mean when yeah. they say that? What What's it does implying? That mean? And some of the implica- implications are just kind of a bit like bleh, bleh. Yes, if someone has NSA on their profile and I ask them, what does that mean to you? And they're just Mm. like, it's just fun. It's just casual. I'm like, what communication do you go through to make sure that it is fun? What is is fun fun and casual? What does fun mean? Oh my God, I feel like that was always like my most annoyed thing. I I feel like it's not, uh, I can't remember what what I think the most popular one is now, but I swear like in my early 20s, it'd be nobody would actually just say like, I'm here to fuck. They'd be like, I'm just looking for some fun. And it's like, what the fuck is that? So are you going to take me to a lovely Broadway show? And, and take me to a new restaurant I haven't been to. Because that sounds like fun to me. Mm, fun does mm. not sound like a dissatisfying sexual experience um, where you don't even eat my pussy and um, you leave me wet and sad um, after, yeah, a really tragic. sad experience. <laughs> Absolutely tragic. Yeah, not is fun. it like... Is it that, you know, no strings attached means it's all about me and it's not about you and I don't do communication about that stuff? Does it, you know, if someone's just like, I'm not looking for a long-term relationship, that is no problem. But I super expect them to be, if they're having sex with me, the sex has to be about me. <laughs> like, yeah. not completely, but I have to be, like, involved, you know, yeah. and I'm not a completely passive person in that. Anyway, we've yeah. just totally soapboxed this person's we totally have. <laughs> soapbox like question. You but you asked your own question, and then we're like, yeah. let me let let me show my wears. Uh, share my feelings <laughs> about things, which I have a lot of very strong feelings about right now, uh, just uh, as I'm on this leaning of, like, oh, 
I would like someone <laughs> to talk to. That would be really nice. <laughs> mm, and baby. it's so disappointing out there. It's <sighs> just so disappointing. And it makes me not want to try anymore. But, you know, I've also been, like, online dating since I was probably, like, 14 or 15, you know, long before uh, Tinder was, like, acceptable. Like, I still remember even, like, convincing lady friends of mine that it was okay and, like, they could – helping them feel safe enough to have a try you know Uh, but it used to be like my big dark secret that I didn't tell anyone about (laughs) yeah it used to be so bizarre to like meet online and things like that and we're the last generation that will feel that way like the zoomers and shit like that they just don't give a shit one other thing that I do want to say before I wrap up with this listener is like if you are a queer woman if this person is bisexual femme um, this is part of bisexual fatigue is mm-hmm. learning sexual communication and dating culture for different groups yep. because you might be dating people that are not just the same sexuality as you and the fatigue is real like you will be invalidated by all sides your queer friends will make fun of you for dating a cis straight man your cis straight man will make fun of your like vegan like (laughs) vegan roller derby playing friends you know it's a little bit a little bit of gentle ribbing you know is is acceptable but it can often just grind you down when it feels like you're spread between several communities so you know, you're just trying your best. And I would just say the more that you put yourself in the center of the situation, you think about what you want and you let yourself have expectations and needs, the better it'll go. Totally. Ask for what you want. If they don't want that, ciao. See you later. Uh, Unmatcheroo. Super ciao. You are not there for that man's education. If he is a lovely cis straight man, tell him to come back in two years. Tell him to go read some books and get back to you and... (laughs) If, if he doesn't do it, he doesn't do it. And that's his answer, right? The end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, beautiful Bambinos. Usually we would do Lurney Lane, but um, little Auntie Vix and Lauren have been in lockdown and um, our brains are drained and we are not really down to learn much that is new on this <laughs> lovely lane. We are just sticking to Weekly Wonderful because I am going... <laughs> I am the dog on the floor that is going around licking up all the crumbs of serotonin that she can find. And um, after I've worked, I am not looking to learn more things right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's a very helpful thing, for a uh, healthy thing for me to, like, not be pushing. I must grow as a person and just being like, whoa, girl, just, like, surviving. Like, that's enough. Like, that's – and we're making a fucking podcast. Is that – Yes. Look at us, what isolation fucking cliches we are. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting little gifties in your ears, listeners. Uh, So, So, yes, Weekly Wonderful. I guess I will do a start. Uh, I wanted to talk about a film that I really love that I rewatched this week and brought me much joy, which is called The Love Witch. It's by a very cool American filmmaker called Annabella, uh, who describes herself as a feminist filmmaker and she really enjoys exploring like the themes around um female gaze in the work that she creates which obviously I find very interesting and not enough of it exists I had was absolutely dying to see this film um for I think a year or so before I was able to to see it in the cinema in Melbourne uh, because the protagonist character is just so beautifully well-dressed. He has this long, dark hair and gorgeous, big, flagrant uh, blue eyeshadow. 
and big, powerful black wings. And uh, basically the plot is all about uh, she is a new young witch and she has just learned all about uh, love magic. And so she's kind of, it's kind of like she's from a different time. Like she's got some very, very outdated views uh, on what <laughs> you should be doing to please a man. And very, very much like you must give him everything. Like, yeah, <laughs> I I do love that. I She especially, I find her deeply delusional, um, but she's just so set on like what her goal is. So it's kind of like she learn some of these skills and like a cult um, and then moves to a new town um, and starts uh, seeing some men. Um, but uh, she is not very well versed in her skills yet. So sometimes there are some pretty dire effects uh, to her <laughs> magic. Uh, but I really love this film uh, for many reasons. Like it's got really beautiful 70s aesthetics the colors are beautiful. The sets are beautiful. There's like really lovely witchy occult iconography. Strong, <laughs> powerful, wild woman at the forefront. And I just haven't really seen many things like it before. It's kind of like, I guess a bit of like what sexploitation is kind of like flipped on its head a bit, which I find very interesting uh, from a viewer's perspective. I know you've seen this one too, right, Lauren? I have a giant poster for the Love Witch <laughs> above the area that I work in. So <laughs> I really, I really, really love the film. It has a very unique sense of personality. It's mm. got a really unique tone. Uh, men are the prey in the movie, which is <laughs> oh, always my favorite yeah. category of movie. She's got wonderful twinkly eyes and they're very <laughs> like, uh, uh, very carnal and like, I am going to eat you uh, while yes. also being like the submissive dream boot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's just got this amazing, um, it's just... It's so, it's interestingly slow. It's interestingly bizarre. Oh, it's, so it's bizarre. Uh, the line <laughs> delivery is so unusual that I find it like quite hypnotic to watch. Annabella herself is so, cool. such, so passionate <laughs> about, she's so cool and she's so passionate about her own work. She made so much of the sets. She made so much of the costuming. She painted all of the weird, bizarre paintings that are in did the she? movie. She did. Oh. She did. Oh yeah. my god, could and I so, admire her anymore? Oh my god. Oh, she's amazing. And so her next film, Bluebeard, I'm very excited for that to come out. She's very exciting to watch on Twitter. She's got very interesting takes on horror, on old cinema. I just find her fascinating. And The Love Witch is a very good movie to just drink cocktails and just let yourself while away three hours watching because I think it's really long. <laughs> it's really, really fucking long. Like, please... Please be aware, <laughs> but I uh, highly recommend uh, for if, if you like bizarreness, if you like sexiness, if you like uh, gorgeous, strong women, yes. it could be up your alley. And if you are interested in witchcraft or if you're a member of the Wiccan, Wicker or witchcraft communities, it is like uh, a half faithful and half divergent exploration of witchcraft. So Good to there note. are several... 
Yeah, there are several things in it that are legitimate, you know, like, uh, and then several things in it that are like, that's not how that happens. And that's certainly not what witches would recommend other people do. Um, <laughs> and things like love spells and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so there's lots of interesting essays about it online. So I recommend watching it and then binging a bunch of hot takes, basically. But yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good time. And it's a movie with weird sexual politics, which we're all about. <laughs> wow you're i love how i'm like the like version and then you're like here let me talk about this very intelligently <laughs> <laughs> that's not actually how it sounds on the back end at all i i edit the episode so i know that we are both we're both in with the gobble 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 as well as the um as well as the smarty smart times so Meow. you know which i've just i've just defined so beautifully but my weekly wonderful this week is because drum roll, um, I got my um, custom video request um, back from, from OnlyFans. So I challenged myself um, and was encouraged by my therapist <laughs> yeah. to go and um, and to commission to have um, to have a custom video done from someone who I follow on OnlyFans. Um, it was not very expensive. Um, I requested a finger sucking video. Really? <laughs> so it is erotic without being explicit. A good step. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, what was that? A good step for you. It was a good step for me. It was a good step for me. And I was so embarrassed the entire time. Um, they made the whole transaction super easy. They thought it was like really fun and were lovely and upbeat about it and made that process super easy. And then I like, I received my video and then I was like, I can't watch it. I just have to scrub through it. I can't have any sound on. I was so embarrassed. It took me like five goes to like properly even watch the thing. And I was still super embarrassed the whole time. Baby! Um, <laughs> but you pushed yeah. through. That's so good. I did. I did. So I'm very proud of myself. And um, yeah. So yeah. So that was, um, so that was very fun. That was, that was definitely out of my comfort zone. And now I have my own little, erotic artifact that I have willed into existence by the force of my currency, so... Fuck yeah! <laughs> by the force of my currency, I'm such a fucking loser, oh my no, god, anyway. I love it so much, you are not editing this out, everybody that's been in the episode, or Lauren is in trouble. She wouldn't want to be in trouble with me, that'd be terrible! Alright, alright, it stays in, it stays in, and, um, and also on OnlyFans, I finally um, subscribed also to Dorian Electra. Yeah. Who is a pop artist who I love, who Vix loves, and they are very weird and interesting in so many reasons. Everyone should go and look up Dorian Electra. I love them so much. But um, their OnlyFans is their persona, their Dorian Electra persona, or some of their their personas that they do music videos for. Mm-hmm. And so some of it's like a bit sexual, but lots of it is just like weird, disgusting, grotty performance art. Yeah. Like it's really grime, goblin, semi semi softcore porn stuff it's honestly so weird so this is like only fans's weird gobliny performance art um so oh. i can recommend it if you want yeah. something very weird I yeah. do. That's exactly what i want <laughs> i really like that it's an in character area um, it is yeah or, it's part of, part of like like a queer expression that i like the best so scrubby gremlin Biz- bizarre oddness. Yum, yum, yes. yum. <laughs> Bigger, 
Uh, big divine vibes. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Like society says I'm disgusting for being queer, I'm going to mix disgusting with my whole sex life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we've talked about those yummy yum yum yums and uh, many questions, I think that that's probably enough. I think we've talked for long enough now. i just like to thank <laughs> everybody who has done a listen. That's so nice. Thank you to everyone who's given us feedback. It makes us cry on the regular <laughs> and I'm just so grateful to every person who has listened to this. My ask to you this week would be if you really do like this show and you have a friend that you think might be interested, please suggest it to them. Word of mouth is still that most powerful shit. And um, we really want to keep making this. And knowing that people are listening really helps light that fire under our cute little butts to keep making content. But... As we move through our episodes, we will need some more questions. Where on earth could we get those from? Could it be you? (laughs) If you have a fun question or maybe a a not-so-fun question that you would love to hear us talk about or discuss, there are a couple of ways that you can send those to us. You can slide them into our DMs on our Twitter at DoneWonderfully or you can send them to us anonymously on our Curious Cat, which you will find at CuriousCat.com dot qa slash wonderfully done where can you listen to wonderfully done i think everywhere i think we've found every place we could be and have inserted ourselves there so (laughs) (laughs) uh listen to us when you listen to your podcasts babe and hey you're doing wonderfully